All right. Well, I've heard uh, some different predictions. Um, I'll tell you who I think um, who God thinks is going to win. And, um, you know, the Bible in 1 Peter 5, 4, I can resist this, but it says, and when the chief priest appears, so who I think, no, I just couldn't resist, bad pastor joke. But anyways, um, good to be here with you all and to worship together. want to welcome our uh, college folks back from your retreat. Welcome back. And uh Pastor John, good job. Let's give him a hand. Welcome back. Yeah. And uh, please stay awake. I know you probably stayed up late and had a good time, but uh, man, just a, a gorgeous um, place that you guys are worshiping at. And uh, man, so glad you're here. Uh, today, I just wanted to, uh, we're going to be going on this passage in John 10 about the Good Shepherd. And uh, we've heard this and know this. Um, and before I jump into this, I, this week, uh, if, it, if um, I think last week, right, right after service, I, someone had told me about what happened with Kobe Bryant and that kind of news. And probably it was after service. Maybe you got a text during service. Maybe you were checking scores and it popped out during service. It's okay, you know. Um, but we heard. And it, it was like a kind of a dark, heavy week, right? If you're a big fan, it was uh, more difficult if you... Um, uh, you know, even if you were casual, you just kind of got to witness the thousands of people that went to LA Live and murals all over the world and, and these things. Uh, one thing that came to mind, and this is just like a kind of a side note, but man, is just the value of the other, right? And so when thousands of people are saying, and they're crying for, as, as simply as a fan, most people, um, it validates the value of the other person losing someone, that they're valuable. Uh, you think about that in our world today, um, what does that tell us? It tells us that people are made in the image of God, that there is a sense of value, that thousands and if not the millions of people who are talking about it and mourning um, and shocked as many of us were, it kind of points, boy, there's a value to these people. God had made us valuable. So we're not just a accidental lump of cells that happen to come together or happen to just evolve from some kind of an animal. No, we're made in the image of God out of all creation. And so it points to the creation, uh, creator God. It points to someone that we are accountable to. It points to our faith that we have here. It is the late Dallas Willard uh, from USC who says that, uh, and I paraphrase, he says that it is uh, often in our world that those who don't believe in God are thought of as the intelligent ones and those who believe in God are not. Uh, but really that's not the case. And you saw that just by how everyone was remembering and what they were going through. And so the value of a person is there. Um, and we see that. And I thought, uh, boy, as we have these opportunities that it might just strengthen your faith. That uh, there is a God who had made, made us and we are accountable to him, and he loves us in Christ. And, you know, that's um, where we are today in John 10. The, the imagery of the good shepherd. Uh, the Bible here talks about Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. Hebrews 13.20 describes him as the great, jokingly mentioned. He's the chief shepherd. Uh, but the, John 10 is the last time he addresses the public. Uh, after John 10, he is getting ready for his death and he has pockets of his disciples and he talks to them and teaches them about various things. But this is the last public teaching he gives. And in John 10, 
Uh, we read from verse 11 on, but even in the previous, it's one of the I am statements. I am the door, he talks about. The door gives us now access. The door gives us a way to go in and a way to come out. Not only that, he says and he describes himself here as the shepherd who is good. And the adjective that's mentioned here, the good shepherd. Uh, today we, we look at this. And we see why he calls himself this. You know, uh, back in those days, kings, priests, people who were in charge or in leadership roles often call, were called a shepherd. And their people were often called a sheep. And so this was a, a, a usage of this imagery that was very common in the day. So people assumed these things and they knew these things. And so he now uses it, but he describes himself a little differently. He says he's the good shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. So he is saying that there are sheep, uh, shepherds that aren't as good, um, but he's the good one. And he compares himself or contrasts himself in this way. What makes him the good shepherd? And that's the question we want to answer today. What makes Jesus the shepherd who is good? These three attributes of the shepherd makes him good. And I want to highlight these three. Number one is that he knows his sheep. He knows them. Uh, the intimacy that's there. It's not that he uses them as a uh, uh, you know, uh, means of gain only. He knows them. And uh, in verse 3, you see this. Um, to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And there's a video I saw a couple said, when I preach on John chapter 10, I have to use this video. And by God's grace, my memory still was there for me. It's a minute and a half long. It's interesting. A shepherd has three tourists or guests come in, and they try to call the sheep over to him. And there's a kind of a funny reaction. So enjoy this. A minute and a half. Take a look at this video, if you would. All right, we'll turn that off. Some lady keeps using the Lord's name in vain, so we'll turn that off. <laughs> OMG, OMG. Where was that film? That was, that was in Irvine a few years ago before they built all this. No, I don't know where that's at. Right? They heard the voice, they understood the voice, they start coming, right? Um, so for us in our civilization today, in this day and age, we look at that, we go, oh my gosh, like that's so neat. Um, 
But this is uh, fairly common, and they know the pen. And every night, the shepherd or the owners would come and bring their own sheep, and they would bring it into a public pen in a way. So four or five families would pitch in, and they would have a pen, and they would hire someone to watch them. And then they would be brought in, and uh, they would all kind of mingle. All these sheep would mingle. And then in the morning, the shepherd would come or the owner would come and now call them by name like this person did. And then they would hear. And then this is where they would all get filtered out and they would start following their own shepherds to go out to graze, to go out to do what they have to do for the day. And so we see this happening here. The pen was the safe place. It was a place that had walls and only one door and how he Jesus Christ calls himself even the door to get into this pen. So we see this here. Um, He knows us. And this is the first truth that we see is how well he knows us. Um, The attribute that he knows us. This is the first one. He knows us by name. Verse 3 in our text. To him the gatekeeper opens the sheep. Hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He knows them. And he leads them out. He calls them by name. And you see this happen often when God in the Old Testament would call someone by name and even change their name after they follow him. Or Jesus Christ would call the future disciples by name. And he would call the different people along his ministry by name. And he would say, come And this is a, to someone, for someone to know your name. It means they know you intimately. They're familiar with you. And this is what makes him the good shepherd. But our problem is we don't often hear well. We don't often listen well. The book of Isaiah, the big uh, prophet, uh, the, one of the major prophets we see there. In it, the accusation against the people of God was that they were not listening to God's voice. And so the command to listen, to hear, is mentioned over 40 times all through the book of Isaiah. You don't hear. You don't listen. And the word voice is mentioned in the ESV 21 times. So their sin was they didn't know the voice of God. You know, just one verse, you don't have to turn there, but Isaiah 28, 23. Give ear and hear my voice. Give attention and hear my speech. Uh, This is what we see here. To know, to hear. And so we're obviously called to now know his voice. He knows us by name. He calls us by name. We have to be so very careful on who we listen to. It is, um, uh, and I read this week, Dallas Willard, who talks about how important it is to listen to God. And he talked about this, and he wrote about this, and I just quote, It is much more important to cultivate the quiet, inward space of a constant listening than to always be approaching God for a specific direction. It's better to be in a constant Space of listening. Always be listening. And I'm not saying have some kind of experience on your own. Go and, uh, you know, make yourself hear some voice that's not out there. No, you listen to the word. uh, You listen to the voice of God by reading the word. And you get so familiar with the word or the voice of God through the word that when the Holy Spirit prompts you, hey, I think you should go do this. That is God's voice. And we know it's validated by the word of God that we see here. And we have to be also very careful. Today we go often to many other places and people to get direction in life. Some of us, some people take their fortune cookies seriously. And some people, they ask advice to anyone. Um, You know, there are 
reality shows on these spiritual mediums that will now connect you with people from the other side and give you advice what you should do, how you should live. It's interesting, uh, there was one a spiritual medium named Barbara Bell from Northern California. Barbara Bell. Uh, she was the only spiritual medium, you know, for who? For Barbie, right? Barbie, you know, like literally Barbie the doll. And so she said, for only $3, she'll tell you what Barbie is saying to you. And so people would pay 3 bucks to go listen to what Barbie has to say about them. I don't know what Barbie, but this is what this uh, delusional lady, Barbara Bell, is quoted as saying, talking about Barbie, she has been forced to be shallow all these years, but underneath, she's a profound person, right? Wow. People would listen to anyone, but we need to listen to the voice of God. He knows us. He calls us by name. What makes Jesus Christ the good shepherd also is that he leads. He's a leader. He leads us. It says in verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And notice the position. He goes before them. And the sheep follow. It's interesting. Uh, one of the commentators, Morris, talks about this. And he says, unlike Western shepherds, Western shepherds, they, they drive the sheep, the herd. They'll get the dogs and the horses, and they drive them from the back and force them to go a certain direction. He says, in those days, in, uh, in the Near East, the shepherds lead their sheep. They walk ahead, and the sheep follow. And I think the position is very important. He is saying, come follow me. When he tells his disciples, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. When he tells you to go and forgive someone, he demonstrates that from the front. When he tells you to to walk in humility, he is the perfect picture of humility. When he calls you to sacrifice of yourself, he is the perfect sacrifice. So he walks ahead of us, he leads us correctly. And so that makes him the good shepherd. And thirdly, he is sacrificial. This shepherd is good because he's willing to sacrifice. Now, us in the church today, and many of you have been going to church for many, many years of your life, we use words like sacrifice so often that it loses its weight. Praise song tunes, or we've heard it in sermons and Bible studies back in youth group or back in VBS. But you really think about that. Just pause and think, how many people in your life is willing to really sacrifice for you? Really give of themselves for you? How many people have you experienced along your journey in life? Man, it might be just a few. And the good shepherd is now different than the hired hand because he is willing to sacrifice in this way. It says here in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the good shepherd is contrasted with the hired hand in verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He sacrifices. I've shared this before. Uh, you know, when I was ending my senior year in high school, which some of you are almost there, those of you that's just ready to graduate. It was May or June of my senior year, right before graduation. Um, I got a job. This was my 
third job that I've had in, in, um, in high school, and I was working at a subway making sandwiches, right? And I told the story. And I was there one Sunday evening, and I was in the back cutting tomatoes, and I heard uh, the bell ring, and someone comes in, and I hear the cashier gal in the front. I didn't even know her name. But I hear her say, oh, my gosh, you know, put the gun away, put the gun away. And I hear a guy yell, give me your money. And so I wish I, you know, could tell you I jumped in the front and I beat him up. No, I ran to the back, right? I literally ran to the back office and I was like trying to call police and trying to figure things out, you know. Um, but I still remember the one part. I share this again because the one part, she comes back and the, I hear the bell chime ring. The, the, the robber had left and she comes back and she's like, Steve, come here, you know. I was like, oh, is that okay? Are you okay? And then she says, right? And I specifically remember telling her, it's not our money, all right? I'm not catching anyone. Go lock the door. Like, I'm, I'm going to go to college next year, right? Uh, like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just trying to figure out when I'm going to quit, tonight or tomorrow. Like, hey, don't, don't tell me to go chase him now for 80 bucks that he stole. I, I was a hired hand. And some of you who have business or your family has business, boy, it's hard. You need to find someone that could have some kind of ownership. And here Jesus Christ is described as someone who lays down his life for the sheep. What matters, secondly, on this is that he has something to lose. He's not someone that has nothing to lose saying, oh, I'll, lay, I'll give you all I have, but they have nothing to lose. Think for a moment, Jesus Christ, we in the church, the Orthodox Church, the Christian Church, we believe what? He is now the second person of the triune God. He is the eternal God. He is the creator God. He is the sustainer of all things. The one who holds all of creation together. Uh, and so we believe these things in the value of who Jesus is. And he now says he lays down his life. So it's not just a nobody laying down his life for someone. It is Jesus Christ. And we have to let that truth just sink in sometimes. Because sometimes we hear this amazing message over and over and over. And there is no awe in us anymore as we think about this. What is the point of someone who has nothing giving of themselves? Here is someone who has everything. There's a story of a man named Russell Herman. He dies at the age of 67. This is back in 1994. He worked as a carpenter his whole life. To his children's surprise, when he had passed away, they found a note, a will that he had written. And he wanted to leave some of his belongings behind, and they were staggered to read his plans. This guy who worked as a carpenter his whole life, he said he was going to leave $2 billion dollars for the city of East St. Louis. Can you imagine the look on their faces? Oh my gosh. Where's my name, right? They're looking. And then the next thing, the request he had was he wanted to leave a billion and a half for the state of Illinois. And now they're scratching their heads. Really? And then he wanted to leave two and a half billion for the national forest system. And now they're really looking at each other. And what helped them to and the last thing was he wanted to leave $6 trillion to the government to help pay off the national debt. So what they found out, you know, the only thing he actually owned was a 1983 Oldsmobile. Right? Some of you are like, what's an Oldsmobile? Ask your parents. They'll tell you, right? If you don't know what an Oldsmobile, you could Google it. It's so old, they don't make it anymore, right? 
That's the only thing he had. So Jesus Christ is not someone who has nothing saying, here, I'll leave this behind. He has everything. He is everything. He is the glorious king. He is the creator God. And he says he will lay down his life for us. And that's why we say, oh my gosh, that is the best news. That is the good news. That is the gospel that I want to hear. And so how should we respond? This is pretty common sense. We should respond first by following the good shepherd closely. We should be good sheep. Makes no sense for sheep to say, I don't know, you think you want to follow him? No, let's just go our own way. No, I think I know better. But we ought to follow the good shepherd closely. You know, it's interesting, in the book of Acts, Christians are often called people of the way. The church was called the way, the sect of the way. Um, Acts 22, and NIV describes Christians as followers of the way. You know, it's interesting, we got our church named Crossway because initially I thought this was pretty neat, the way. And I thought, oh, I remember we had this discussion uh, with a group of people who were interested in launching Crossway a long time ago. And I said, what do you think of the name, the way? And uh, I, I still remember we had one guy who was a realtor. He said, how about open house? He was with a, and I thought he was joking, but he was with straight face. How about open house? Serious, right? And I said, okay, we need to. Not make this so democratic. All right, so we're going to call, you know, so we're thinking the way. Um, and not open house, right? Uh, we're thinking the way. But then at that time, there was a, a cult called the Way International. So I said, we, we can't be the way because people think we're a weird cult. And so what, how can we differentiate that? So we said, let's call it Crossway. But they were called followers. Jesus calls the disciples to follow. They're not called just people who agree with a doctrine. People who hang out with a group of people. They're followers of the way. They're followers. And we come here to follow Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to pray, to listen, and simply obey. Don't go and pray. Only if this will happen, God. God, if you pay off my student loan, then I'll, maybe I'll do something for you. God, if I can get into this school, then maybe I'll do something for you. God, boy, if I can just have this kind of place and this kind of job, then I'll do something for you. God, when my kids calm down and get older, then I'll try to serve you. If we go to God conditionally, it makes no sense when he's the good shepherd guiding us. So we need to just simply follow him. And secondly is this. I want to ask you, many of you who are leaders, your servants, you might even have a title at church. You have a group that meets in your home. You have a group of students. You sit and they listen to you. I want you to shepherd them in the way that the good shepherd Shepherds us. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he is the chief shepherd who will appear to the church. So he, it's like a, a, an org chart and he's on top. And he's saying, hey, all of you, you're working for me and I want you to now take care of my sheep. Let me encourage you. Those of you, you might even have just, just your own children, a younger sibling, a small group that you meet with. Whoever it is. Whoever it is and wherever God has placed you, would you view the people that is placed in your responsibility as how the chief shepherd would view them? And you look at them and say, oh, their best interest is what's important. I have to care and guide them in what is truth. And I have to love them and be there for them. Don't look at them as people to use. Don't look at them as people that will make me feel good or give me some kind of status. No, I use, let them use me. God, use me to care for your people in the way that you have done so much. And I close with this thought that it all comes down to commitment. 
Let me encourage you to commit to follow God closely. Let me encourage you to care for people, to commit to that. You know, commitment in relationships, whether it's with God or people. Commitment is what gives the relationship its value and meaning. You think about that. Uh, a guy and gal might be dating and they might say, I'm not sure I'm ready to commit. And let's just date. And, you know, dating is ultimately, it's, it's the most conditional thing. I'll, I'll be with you as long as I feel like it. That's what dating is, right? And someone might say, oh, I don't know if I want to get married. It's such a commitment. But yet, it is the commitment that brings value to that relationship. So you're not saying, hey, I want to enjoy. I'm not sure. It is actually, you have to commit to understand this. And it is true of the people you are leading, the people you are caring for, the church you attend. If you come and you come and you say, oh, I'm just checking it out. I don't want to commit. Oh, Pastor John might tell me, ask me to do something. I've got to avoid him after service, you know. If you don't commit and you consume, there is no value in that. And ultimately to God, we have to commit. If we say... I'm afraid to even pray because I don't know. I don't know. Half-hearted, lukewarm, that's good enough. Let me encourage you to be committed, fully committed to him. Let me encourage you to be that sheep that is on the front of the pack saying, I'm going to follow you. You want to go down this cliff? Let's go. I'm going down this cliff. You want to go up that hill? Let's go. I'll go up that hill. You tell me to go near where the wolves are. It's okay. You were there. I'll follow you. Let me encourage you to be that committed to God. Don't be half-hearted. Don't be conditional. Because the person who commits themselves to God gets the value of that relationship, the ultimate relationship we have with God. And so I want to encourage you with that thought today. The good shepherd, he is good to us, and we want to follow him. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, you are so good to us. You're the good shepherd your sheep so Lord uh, give us faith to follow give us faith to obey and help us Lord to follow after you in this way we thank you God um, that you call us by name so we trust you Lord Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.